You ought to take your church with you. And you ought to have people where they wonder, where do you go to church? You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This is the message titled, How Do You Represent Your Church? by Nathaniel Bronner. This message is number 5971. How do you represent your church? Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the Word. And actually, God did speak a couple of sermons ago. He said, it's going to be a minute before you start another series. So I don't know when the next series will start. So all of these messages are standalone messages. They're not part of a series But they are a part of going up the steps to heaven to a better life and to be closer to God and to live more in Christ. So they are that, but they just may not be a part of a series until God speaks the next series. Today I'm going to be speaking from really the book of John, 5th chapter, 35th verse. You don't have to turn there. This is Jesus talking about John. And this is what Jesus says about John. John was a lamp that burned and gave light. And you chose for a time to enjoy his light. Let me just read the first part of that again of what Jesus said about John. John was a lamp that burned and gave light. Now I have to tell you a story. A lot of my stuff involves stories, just like a lot of Jesus's teachings. They involve stories or parables. And I was on my way to the airport in the shuttle from the parking lot. And God spoke, don't give this driver a tip. I don't know why he spoke not to give the driver a tip, but sometimes God will have me excessively bless somebody. And then sometimes he said, don't give him any money. And I don't even know why. And do you know sometimes God can control your favor in life by speaking to someone else to say either bless them or keep your hands off of them? And I've had some situations with some former members of this church. And God has said not one penny and not one minute. And they were in some serious trouble. I said, look, I'm sorry, but I can't put one penny into your situation. And I'm looking at my watch. I'm only going to spend 59 seconds talking with you because he said not one penny. And not one minute. So I'm going right up to 59 seconds and I'm hanging up. So I can't put one penny nor one minute. It took me a while to understand why. But now I understand why. Because I saw that situation unfolded down the road. And I saw now God had had me take my hand off that thing. So sometimes God will have you to pour into somebody's life. And then sometimes he'll say, take your hand off of them. I got to deal with this me. You take your hands off. So he told me, don't you give that driver a tip. Now, I was going to Florida. I was going to Clearwater. The reason that I was going to Clearwater was to get my teeth looked at. I've got four root canals. For those of you who understand a little bit about dentistry, you know what a root canal is. My guess is if you're over 40 or 50, half of you out there have root canals. And I've got four root canals in my mouth. If I had known what I know now, 
I wouldn't have had any root canals because I wouldn't have had decayed teeth because I wouldn't have eaten that much sweets as I did when I was younger. How many of y'all would have done stuff different if you'd have just known younger what you know now? You'd have done stuff differently. And I'd have just done stuff differently. I wouldn't have had all that dental work needed to be done. I ate too many sweets. I just used to eat candy, cookies, all that stuff. So I had four root canals. Out of the four root canals, three of them are infected. Now, I have been reading a whole lot dealing with root canals, and one of the things about them, some of the material I've read, some of the dentists say they've taken out hundreds of root canal teeth, and every one they've ever taken out has had infection, whether it showed on the x-ray or not. Now, the reason that I was going to Clearwater to the dentist, you said there ought to be plenty of dentists here in Atlanta, and there are. The problem is... The philosophy in dentistry right now, and I had talked to multiple dentists. I even have an uncle who is a dentist. I talked to him. I said, what about these root canals? So I've been reading a lot about root canals. Some dentists won't do them, some will. He said, look, man, if you got a problem with your teeth, I would do a root canal in the morning. So he said, I believe in root canals. When I went to the National Health Association and I was there at that health convention, I had dinner with a, a retired dentist. I asked him, I said, what about these root canals? He said, I still do root canals. I got root canals right now and I do a root canal in the morning. So he said, basically, the older dentist and the established dentistry believes in root canals. The new younger dentist, they believe in implants. And each one of them has its pluses and minuses. But the issue that I had, I had four root canals. Three of them were infected. Now, the reason that I was going to Clearwater is because of my mother and sister-in-law. I was there visiting with them, and they went to talking about their dentist. I don't even know how we got on the subject. They said, oh, this dentist is just fantastic. And the dentist went in and took out my root canals, and and they told me, you're going to feel a lot better when you get these root canals out of your mouth. They took my root canals out. Sure enough, I feel a lot better. And they're naturalistic dentists. They don't believe in this. They don't believe in that. And then the sister-in-law, she went to talk. Yeah, I live in Chicago, and I fly from Chicago all the way to Clearwater to go to the dentist because I believe in this dentist that much, and they just that good. That's why I was headed to Clearwater. So I was headed to Clearwater for them to work on my teeth. Now, when I got back, and I came back yesterday, I got in the shuttle. When I got in the shuttle, the driver parked about three or four buses down where normally the parking lot shuttles pick up. And he parked down because the place that normally for this lot picked up, there were some other shuttles there. So he parked down, got out of his shuttle bus, and said, hey, all of y'all with this, y'all come on here. I got you. Come on, come on, come on. So we walked over and he said, look, when I got, he said, look, man, put your bag down. I got this. I got it. And I was trying to tell him, I can, I can carry my own bag. I got it. Put your bag down. So I put my bag down and he was the same. Way. I got it. I got it. Y'all come on in. I hope y'all had a good trip. Y'all come on in. Then he's pulling out. He said, now look, and I want you, everybody to look over there on the sidewalk. Cause I don't want anybody to say I left a bag on the sidewalk. I got all these bags. He had us laughing. And he was just as joyful as he could be. He was uplifting. He had a spirit that was just engaging. He asked everybody, how was your trip? And he would ask each person how their trip was. And then before we got to the parking lot, he said, well, the main thing, no matter how your trip was, the main thing is you have made it back safe and sound. Now, as I was watching this driver and I was sitting back on the back row because I was one of the first people get in the shuttle. I was sitting back on the back row. I noticed he had a card on his dash and it was unusual because he had a card on his dash 
The card on his dash only had one word on it. And I could see it real clear from sitting way in the back. It had one word with five letters. And those five letters were J-E-S-U-S. And I'm looking at this card. I said, that's unusual for a commercial business with an airport parking lot and the driver got a card on the dash with a big old name Jesus. I said, that's unusual. But yet the man was one of the most fantastic shuttle drivers I had ever seen. And I had parked my car in the lane that when you enter into the parking spaces and he drove past my, I said, wait a minute, my car's right back there. Let me off right here. And he stopped the bus and he said, wait a minute, the, the other tender evidently marked your spot wrong because they got you way over there. I said, maybe that's why God told me don't leave a tip for that person. They weren't half doing their job. So he drove back and got my bag just as, and the thing about it is I was leaving. I heard God speak. I want you to speak tomorrow on the question, how do you represent your church? I said, Lord, don't you mean how do you represent Jesus? He said, no, that ain't what I said. I said, I want you to speak tomorrow on the question, how do you represent your church? And I was trying to think, well, why do you want me to ask how do I represent Jesus? You know why? Because my guess is on that shuttle, and there probably was seven or eight people on that shuttle, the probability is all of us were Christians. All of us represented Christ. But the real question, if I was not silently in the ark and with brothers of the word, the real question, I may have asked that man, what church do you go to? He was so impressive. He was so full of joy. He was so full of enthusiasm. He was so uplifting. He was so helpful. He was head and shoulders above any other shuttle drive I've ever seen. I wanted to ask him, what church do you go to? Not what God did he serve, because probably all of us on that shuttle were Christian. And my guess is 80% of all of the shuttle drivers were Christian. I never wanted to ask any of the others, what church do you go to? So I could see how God wants us to be like John was, where Jesus said he burned and people came to see his light. So that's what I want to ask. How do you represent your church? And if I were new coming into Atlanta for the first time and I was looking for a church, I would have asked that shuttle driver, what church do you go to? And the other thing about it, I'm reasonably sure he goes to church. He didn't tell me he went to church. He didn't have a sign that said he went to church. The only sign he had was this business-sized car sitting on his dashboard right above his radio to spell out Jesus. Now, I don't know he went to church. But if I had to bet on it, I'd give 10 to 1 odds that not only does he go to church, he's just as dynamic in that church as he was in that shuttle bus. You ought to take your church with you. And you ought to have people where they wonder, where do you go to church? Do people at your job wonder where you go to church? Or do they wonder if you go to church? (laughs) Two different things. See, it's like the body. There are three levels of body. There's the lowest level where people look at you and say, you need to work out. There's the second level where they ask, do you work out? And there's the third level where they ask, where did you work out? Three different levels. Do people look at you and say, you need to go to church? Or do they look at you and say, do you go to church? Or they look at you and ask, where do you go to church? 
because your light is shining so bright. Wherever you're going to get this, this is where I want to go. The number one reason anyone visits a church is because a member invites them. Can you imagine just living a life to where people often ask you, where do you go to church? Because wherever you go to church, that's where I want to go. One of the problems right now that the church has, Gandhi actually put it fairly accurately. And Gandhi, who is a Hindu, but even as a Hindu, this is what Gandhi said. He said, if the world knew the Christ of Christians, they would accept him. But because they know the Christians of Christ, they reject him. Gandhi basically said, in a nutshell, if they knew Christ, if they knew Jesus, the world would accept Jesus. But because they know the followers of Jesus, they reject Jesus. And it's when you go out into the world and they know you go to church, when people know you go to church. I remember we had an incident at the plant, a serious altercation between two employees. And all I heard about the altercation was, and they are ministers. Because one of them was a minister. That's all I heard. And they are ministers. They didn't care about the causes or the root of the thing. All they knew, there was a significant altercation and one of them was a minister. Now see, the one who wasn't a minister, they didn't talk about them. Because they didn't expect that much. But the minister, when they lost their cool and when they got upset, all they could say was, and they are minister. They are minister. This is what they behave. And they are minister. They say the same thing about each and every one of us. And they go to church and they claim to be Christian and they claim to follow Jesus. And look how they behave. They're not behaving any different than the folk in the world. So how do you represent your church? And when you travel and when you're out, how do you represent your church? How do you represent your church in your house? How would your children say you are with God? How do you represent your church? You ought to have something that people can feel Christ in you. Well, you don't have to preach and tell. I go all over the world, and a lot of times people will ask me, are you a minister? I haven't told them anything. And see, I don't think really I look like a minister. I definitely don't sound like a minister. As a matter of fact, most of my sons have voices that are far more ministerial than mine. Most ministers, you know, they have this deep ministerial voice. (laughs) And when they talk, they sound like a minister. But my voice is just... Most of my boys have much deeper voices than I do. They sound much more ministerial than I do. I do not have a deep ministerial voice. I know C. Elijah doesn't have a deep ministerial voice. So we don't have these deep ministerial sounding voices. But yet, when I go places, somehow there's something that people sense. There's something they feel. And I remember I was on the phone with Pastor James and I was walking outside and I was in, it wasn't the most upscale of areas. And there was this homeless man that came up to me and he just cocked his head and he looked at me. And he said, who are you? I said, what you mean, who am I? I didn't know what the man wanted. But sometimes street people have real good street smarts. And he said, who are you? I said, what you mean? He said, I'm just a man. 
And this is what he said. He said, you ain't no ordinary N word. <laughs> That's exactly what he said. So, 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 he didn't know me. I didn't know him. But there was something about it. And he didn't clean it up. That's exactly what he said. He said, you ain't no ordinary N-word. So there was something about that he could see and sense and know because his street senses, his street smarts had gotten him to the point where he could sense spirit. You don't need to be no ordinary. People ought to be able to sense something about you. And they ought to be able to feel and they ought to be able to know this person has the love of Christ in them. This person is different. This person is living from God. And whatever church this person is going to, that's where I want to go. How do you represent your church? And as we go through life and wherever we go, you'll be surprised how much of an influence. See, Elijah, he would often say in some of his messages, you should preach a sermon everywhere you go and if necessary, use words. So by the way you act and by the way you behave and your countenance and joy, you ought to be. I've been in some places where, to be honest about it, I've been ashamed of some of the behaviors of the pastors. They'd be so impatient, so fussy, so nitpicky about this, that and the other. And folk are watching you and they are saying, and they are pastor and they're acting like this and they don't have love and they don't have patience and they are pastor. You don't know. How many folks, and to be honest about it, I've been ashamed of my behavior in some places. I remember, and it wasn't too long ago. I'm not talking about when I was young. I'm talking about just a couple of weeks ago. I'm talking about just a couple of weeks ago. And I was in traffic, had my top down, and the traffic was moving slow. The traffic was moving slow, and there was about three or four car lengths in front of me, so wasn't no need to just speeding up and just riding on something. So somebody behind me just got beep, beep, beep. I'm saying to myself, I can't go but another 20 or 30 feet. And I just stopped. It just made me upset. I just stopped. <laughs> and after that, I was so ashamed of my behavior. I said, I should not have let that upset me like that. And it's too many folk recognize. And if somebody had gone by and said, that Pastor Nathaniel who just stopped in the middle of the road. I was so embarrassed because it wasn't Christ-like behavior. But sometimes folk can just get the better you and you just lose it for a minute. Anybody can relate to me what I'm saying? Sometimes you just lose it for a second. And so I lost it for a second. But oftentimes people will look at you and they will judge your whole congregation. Your whole church can be judged by just an action because you lost it for a second. So how do you represent your church? And you need to be on a behavior everywhere you go where people will look at you and look at the way you are and say, I wonder where do they Go to church because whatever it is they have, that's what I want. And that's what you need to not only exude, it needs to be in you. You don't need to be fronting. It needs to be in you. You truly need to have the joy of Christ in you and to grow and to become what we are destined to be in Christ. 
how are you representing your church? And that's a serious question because all of us are out and about and there's someone looking at every single one of us. I'm not talking about just the heavenly host. I'm talking about human eyes. There's someone looking at every single one of us. How are you representing your church? The book of Hebrews, sixth chapter, beginning at the first verse. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding, for it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come, and who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance by rejecting the Son of God. They themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. That was the scripture that I used for the first sermon that I ever preached called Tell My People to Honor My Name. And it goes on, when the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has God's blessings. But if a field bears thorns and thistles, it is useless. The farmer will soon condemn that field and burn it. Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. That's a critical verse. It doesn't apply to this congregation. I think you all are representing the art well wherever you go. But I want us to become more sensitive. And maybe God had me preach this message because there's one person and maybe you're not representing your church well. Or you may come across this situation where you remember when Pastor Nathaniel lost it and you said to yourself, I'm not going to lose it like Pastor Nathaniel lost it. <laughs> I am going to keep my composure. I am going to show love. I am going to turn the other cheek. I am going to show the world a better way. I'm going to represent my church well. Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. How are you representing your church? I flew 500 miles because someone represented their dentist well. I flew 500 miles because someone represented their dentist well. How far would someone travel to come to the ark based on how you have represented your church? And they're not going to listen to you about how great your church is. Their first thing is, let me see what it has done for you. Let me see how it has changed your spirit. Let me see how it has imparted joy into you. Let me see what you have gotten from it. And if you have gotten something that makes you like John, 
where John burned with a light that people came to see. We have the light of Christ inside of us. And whether we're driving a shuttle bus or flying a 767, or whether we're sweeping a broom on the floor, the light of Christ ought to shine and make people ask, I wonder what church they go to. I thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word. You can go to brothersoftheword.com and listen to this sermon all over again or send it to a friend absolutely free of charge. There are thousands of messages on brothersoftheword.com covering all types of subjects. Just put the subject that you're interested in in the sermon search and more than likely there'll be a sermon to deal with your question. Thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word because brother, you need the word. You are listening to BrothersOfTheWord.com. This was the message titled, How Do You Represent Your Church? by Nathaniel Bronner. This message is number 5971. That's 5971. To listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 5971 to a friend, go to BrothersOfTheWord.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to BrothersOfTheWord.com often because, brother, you need the word. Well,